Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of Necessary Evil. Barack Obama and George W. Bush are war criminals. How's that for a lead? <laughs> Man, this is going to be fun. I have been looking forward to this episode for a very long time. Mostly, I'll be honest with you, I don't like most of you guys anyways. So if I can get you to expose the fact that you are a shill for your party and are unable to acknowledge some very obvious crimes against humanity, then it makes it that much easier for me to remove you from my life. Okay, so while it may sound hyperbolic and perhaps even salacious to call these men war criminals, I can assure you that this is objectively and verifiably true. If you are unable to merely entertain the idea that these statements may be accurate, spoiler alert, they are, and if the spectrum of allowable opinion is so ingrained into your subconscious that you cannot bear the thought of escaping the Overton window, then you should leave now, because you are not going to like where this goes. Nothing I am about to tell you is exaggeration, nothing I am about to tell you is opinion, and nothing I am about to tell you is going to sit well with you if you are a partisan hack incapable of thinking freely and not regurgitating opinions from your group's approved sources. The Overton Window is an idea from George Orwell's book, 1984, famous novel based around a dystopian future in which the range of acceptable opinions becomes narrower by the day. And you will never understand your own morality and the principles you stand for if you don't break free from the Overton Window and explore the potential validity and rationality of every viewpoint. So if you're happy with this blissful ignorance in which you exist, then I strongly encourage you to turn this off and continue living your life. But if you wish to encounter some harsh realities and perhaps even shatter everything you thought you stood for, then stay tuned. Fascists are those who would shield you from or outright block an opposing viewpoint. From the Nazi book burnings to the college campuses of today shutting down controversial speakers, authoritarian types are so unsure of their own ideas that they would choose to hide you from, the, from debate and open discussion rather than making a convincing case of their own. Why is that? Because they're terrified that you may see the truth. Well, today we abolish the Overton window. Let's begin. So let's talk about war and why libertarians are so against it, right? So we are individualists to our core. We reject all forms of forced collectivism. Well, there is no worse forced collectivism than robbing me at gunpoint of my taxes. That is not exaggeration. If you don't pay your taxes, men with guns will come and take you away and throw you in a cage. Okay. And then using that stolen money to fund a murder campaign that I did not approve of in the first place. So that's number one. But two, I talk a lot about the non-aggression principle. You never aggress someone who did not at least seriously threaten to aggress you. So if you come into my house and murder my wife... I don't think it should be legal per se, but I think it's fairly reasonable for me to hunt you down, yank you into my basement, cash out a couple weeks of emergency PTO so that I can get to cutting you up good and proper. I think it's pretty reasonable to at least desire to do that. What is not reasonable or even up for discussion is you murdering my wife, me hunting you down, but killing 57 people who were in my way and who played absolutely zero role in the original aggression. I can't do that, but you know who can? The U.S. government. They have a monopoly on violence. They have a monopoly on aggression and murder. 
and you have no choice in the matter of funding these sociopaths with your hard-earned money. So we got smoked on 9-11. No question about it. That was unprovoked. Although Bin Laden did say that us wreaking havoc in the Middle East for the last 20 years certainly played a role. But listen, they wanted to attack the epitome of Western success, which is New York City. So I think it would be pretty reasonable for us to hunt down those who are responsible and promptly disembowel every last one of them, possibly even on pay-per-view. They got 3,000 Americans that day murdered, and I think it's reasonable to avenge those deaths. What would not be reasonable is, hypothetically, destroying every city we come across in a a country that had nothing to do with it, killing 100,000 civilians on information we knew to be faulty at best, ostensibly in the pursuit of killing the guys who attacked us. (laughs) But it's worse than that, because we didn't just go after the guys who attacked us. 15 of the 19 hijackers were Saudi nationals. Two were from the United Arab Emirates, one was Lebanese, and one was Egyptian. They were all members of Al-Qaeda, who were hiding out in Afghanistan, whose invasion I actually do think was justified. I don't think we should be there 20 years later, but... I think that the original invasion was was justified, at least in the Northern Territory, where we knew that Al-Qaeda was hiding, and they actually were. Um, but we went to war with Iraq because allegedly they were harboring WMDs and planned to use them against America. We know now that was untrue, but at the time it was treated as some sort of mathematical proof etched in stone, provably accurate. Iraq has nukes. They conspired with Al-Qaeda to carry out 9-11. And if we don't send your bro- your son, your brother, your cousin, your husband in there to raise hell, they're going to do it again. So are you a patriot or not? And, and, you know, people on the right seem to struggle more with this. The idea with... The idea of like American exceptionalism and, and, and supporting the troops has somehow morphed into supporting every offensive measure by the U.S. military out of fear of being labeled a coward or a liberal or a traitor. Like, oh, you don't support America? You talking shit about the troops? No, simpleton. I am supporting the troops by not wanting them to get blown up for a bunch of old guys who sent them in there on a lie. If you hold your party and your country to the highest standard, then you have to call these things out when they go wrong. And again, we know now that Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld all knew that that was BS, right? So... The obvious question is, why did we want Iraq so badly? And, and I tell you, the history here is it's pretty deep and it's really, really interesting. I mean, there's so many moving parts here. You're going to have to, if you're into history and you want to really learn this story, you need to go back and listen to this two or three times so you can really map this out in your head because it's, it's just a decades-long chess match that's still playing out today. So real quick recap here. After World War II, Iran elects, Iran, not Iraq, Iran elects Mohammad Mossadegh as prime minister, and he nationalizes the uh, the Anglo-Iranian oil company, right? So we're kind of locked out of Iran's oil. And <laughs> if there's one way to get the Americans to come knocking on your door with a truckload full of rocket launchers, it's to not welcome us with open arms and smiling faces as we come in to exploit your natural resources. And we generally don't take kindly to that kind of behavior. So the CIA intervenes, they're open about this now, and successfully overthrows Mossadegh, and replaces him with the former Shah of Iran's grandson. So now this is the new Shah, uh, Reza Pahlavi, uh, who agrees to basically be a puppet for the CIA and, and uh, send America and Britain 80% of their oil reserves in exchange for millions of dollars of foreign aid and for us basically looking the other way as they run a violent police state. Well, the younger generation of Iranians and the fundamental Islamists 
not not Muslims. These are uh, a different. It's like a, a different spectrum of Islam. Uh, so these are Islamists were livid that Pahlavi was working with the Americans and thought that he was just selling out the country for power, which objectively he was. Uh, so he's overthrown in the Iranian Revolution of 1979, and Ayatollah Khomeini takes over and imposes Sharia law, which is by definition anti-West and anti-America. Uh, and the Shah, Pahlavi, is exiled. Well, later that year, Jimmy Carter allows the Shah to, re- to receive cancer treatment in America, Right, And the the students were livid. They hated the Shah. They hated America. They saw this as their two mortal enemies working together and undermining their newly formed government. So that's when they stormed the embassy in Tehran, the Iran hostage crisis, kept kept 50-some Americans hostage for 444 days. Okay, So America, in response, enlists the help of Iraq, who already had a bitter rivalry with, with Iran over land, resources, power, and ideology, so we send Iraq tons of weapons, money, intelligence, so that they would fight Iran for us. And they also wanted the river that ran between the two countries to Kuwait so they could have access to the Persian Gulf. So it's kind of a win-win for both sides. Um, and who were we working with at the time? Well, the new president of Iraq, Saddam Hussein. And the head of the CIA at the time is George Bush Sr. Okay, So a few years later, Iran-Iraq war is still going on. We're funding Iraq, and we also have a few thousand troops stationed in Lebanon, primarily to uh, promote peace between Israel and the Iraqis, who also hated each other. Well, Hezbollah, which is and which was and still is a terrorist organization openly sponsored by Iran, bombs the Marine barracks in Beirut, in Lebanon, kills over 200 Marines, I'm sure you've heard the story, while simultaneously storming the, the American embassy in Lebanon and keeping even more hostages there. All right, so to free those hostages, the Reagan White House uses money. This is insane. This is so <laughs> we sold uh, weapons and, and um, all kind of military equipment to Nicaraguan rebels during their uh, socialist revolution. We sold them a ton of stuff. We used the proceeds from those sales to funnel missiles and weapons to Iran. This is the Iran-Contra scandal, which means that we are now funding both Iraq and Iran to kill each other. I'm telling you, this story is unbelievable. And it, 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 okay, so and then one day Saddam Hussein finds out that his tanks, some of his tanks have been destroyed by American missiles, supposedly his buddies fired from Iran, his mortal enemy. All right, this just after one of his atomic reactors had been destroyed by American missiles fired from Israel. So he's understandably a little pissed off. I mean, what the hell, man? I thought we were friends. Almost seems like you're playing for both sides here. So he fires two missiles at the USS Stark. One of our aircraft carriers is payback. Totally justified, by the way. I mean, you would have done the exact same thing given the circumstances. So we not only respond to that, we also, quote unquote, accidentally, I don't know how that would be provable, but accidentally shot down a passenger plane full of Iranian civilians, over 200 of them, killed them, dead. Basically uh, convincing both sides that this war was stupid and it convinced them to reach a ceasefire, but we shot down a straight-up civilian plane. And we eventually had to pay them over $100 million in restitution for that airliner, by the way. So not only is Saddam rightfully pissed at Bush Sr., as is Iran, but Saddam has got a ton of dirt on the man. On, on, on HW. I mean, CIA documents revealed through the Freedom of Information Act that Bush was not only aware 
of the use of chemical weapons against Iranian soldiers and civilians by Iraq. He also gave away their position to Saddam through satellite imagery and intel from the ground, making him not only complicit in war crimes, but a direct accomplice. Okay, that and all the other shady business deals that, that, that made this whole thing. Well, as the, other, as the old saying goes, dead men tell no tales. So we wanted Saddam bad. So when they invaded Kuwait in 1990, we had the perfect excuse to back Kuwait through Operation Desert Shield and Operation Desert Storm with a bunch of other countries. And you may be thinking, uh, why jump in at all? Why impose ourselves on other people's problems? Well, the general public was certainly thinking this, and approval numbers for the invasion were absolutely abysmal. That is, until Nayira, that conniving little bitch, Nayira al-Sabah, gave one of the most heart-wrenching testimonies ever laid upon human ears when she told the Congressional Human Rights Caucus on live television that she personally witnessed Iraqi soldiers marching into the Kuwaiti hospitals removing premature babies from the incubators and discarding them in the trash, throwing them away. The public was understandably horrified, and all of a sudden, war was a go. The only problem is that Naira, as we found out later, was the daughter of the U.S. ambassador to Kuwait, and her testimony was part of the Free Kuwaiti People campaign, and dozens of doctors' and nurses' testimonies directly contradicted her claims. And here's how you know they're being fishy, too. They didn't even use her last name in the testimony for television, okay? They only called her Nayira, not Nayira al-Sabah, because they knew that people would make the connection that the Kuwaiti ambassador's last name is al-Sabah, and, huh, that's a little coincidental. Maybe even a little suspicious. Maybe there's more to this. Maybe we're being duped into war, huh? And so during this time, we also placed some pretty brutal sanctions on Iraq, crushing their economy and just creating havoc among the population. And remember, I think it was episode two, I talked about how sanctions really only work in democratic countries who can vote out the leaders, right? Because in autocratic countries, the civilians just die. And, you know, now we know this number to be grossly overstated. But at the time, it was widely accepted that the U.S. sanctions led directly to the deaths of 500,000 Iraqi children, 500,000. And even if that number wasn't true, listen to what Clinton's Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright, this is Bill Clinton's Secretary of State, said about the ordeal. On an interview with 60 Minutes, you can go look up the tape, she was asked if the deaths of 500,000 children, you can even treat it as a hypothetical, even if that number's not true, which we know it's not now, but at the time, treat it as a hypothetical. They said, uh, they asked her if the deaths of 500,000 children were worth it to kill one man. And she looked right at the interviewer and she said that in the case of Saddam Hussein, yes, yes, one man for 500,000 dead children. That's how bad they wanted this guy. So we were chomping at the bit to jump into war with Iraq and to overthrow Saddam Hussein. Albright said she would kill 500,000 kids for him. Whoever worked with Naira was willing to lie to the public's face on national television to get us in there, to convince the public that we needed to go in there and kill this guy. We wanted this guy dead. And then check this video out. This is potentially the most important video that you have never seen, and it should explain exactly why we invaded Iraq, why Barack Obama took us from fighting two wars to seven, 
and why the U.S. Congress has such a bipartisan approval of the wars going on in the Middle East and why anti-war candidates like Tulsi Gabbard get accused of being a Russian asset by Hillary Clinton and the rest of the DNC. Okay, this is former Army General Wesley Clark, surprisingly candid. I I cannot believe how honest he was in this interview. Uh, He's being interviewed by Democracy Now! in 2007. Get a load of this. If you, I'm telling you, if you've been half listening thus far, then please put down whatever you're doing in your hand and focus on this 90-second admission here. This is absolutely unbelievable. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me and he said, sir, you got to... Come in, you got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says there's nothing new that way. They've just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And uh, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later. And by that time, we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. So 10 days after 9-11, the acting Secretary of Defense, Donna Rumsfeld, reveals the U.S. plan to not only invade Iraq and Afghanistan, but Libya, Syria, Somalia, Sudan, Lebanon, and Iran. All right, this is 2001. Should we go down that list again? Because we've been in all of them. You switched Sudan out for Nigeria, and we've checked everything off the list. Three months ago, we were a chin hair away from full-blown war in Iran. They've been planning it since 2000, since 10 days after 9-11. All right, and this is not Alex Jones telling you this. All right, this is Wesley Clark. This is, I mean, you, got, you go look up his bio. You tell me if he's trustworthy. Now do you understand why Barack Obama launched 26,000 bombs in 2016? Or remember a couple years back when those four army soldiers died in Niger? And everyone was like, uh, what? Did I miss something? Why the hell are we conducting missions in Niger? And did anyone know about this? Did anyone vote on this? So that plan is made to invade seven countries in five years, 10 days after 9-11. I'm sure we had a mountain of evidence to, to justify all this. But, you know, we still needed some public approval to invade Iraq which there was none, you know, and at this point there was just no reason to okay the deal from a general public standpoint, all right? And so not only does Bush and company make up the entire WMD fiasco, 
which documents from the Pentagon's Defense Intelligence Agency have revealed was known to be falsified by every major member of its cabinet. All right. The CIA also tortured dozens of suspected terrorists by cramped confinement and waterboarding until someone told them what they wanted to hear. Saddam helped al-Qaeda carry out the attack. And we can dis- disagree on your definition of torture and the morality of the situation. I just want you to be honest with yourself. Do you support waterboarding suspected criminals without congressional oversight or a fair public trial, or do you not? It is a simple yes-no question. All right, George Tenet, former director of the CIA, told 60 Minutes in 2007 that the U.S., quote, could never verify, could never verify that there was any Iraqi authority cooperating with al-Qaeda for 9-11 or any operational act against America, period. But that didn't matter. So we used these false pretenses to invade Iraq with congressional approval, killing over 130,000 civilians in the process. Thank God for Julian Assange, or we wouldn't even know that number, by the way. That's why both sides want him dead. And then to invade and massacre all these other countries over the last 20 years. And you can say, oh, well, you know, we need to rid the world of evil no matter who dies. Well, a lot easier said when you're sitting at the pool with an iPhone and a refrigerator full of food at the house. Okay, so if you're in support of these wars and the actions taken to get there, then fine. And if you're a Bush supporter, then fine. I'm not here to be your moral compass. I'm just here to tell you that you cannot simply ignore these awful, deceptive, and downright murderous activities that you have been forced to pay for. And I'm also here to tell you that you are no libertarian if you are okay with this. You may be on the right as far as ideology, but you can go in and join John Bolton and Lindsey Graham as part of the authoritarian right, who is perfectly fine living in this bliss that we call America as as our government is busy killing brown civilians halfway across the world. So stop calling yourself a libertarian because you're the farthest thing from it. And then (laughs) how can we forget Dick Cheney, my boy? After acting as George H.W.'s Secretary of Defense, he uses his contacts to get on the board at Halliburton, who paid him a total of $44 million during his time with them, and then quits six months before running for VP, claiming that he had no bias or connection towards them whatsoever. Consider me skeptical. No bias or connection whatsoever. Well, that's sort of odd, because as it turns out, Halliburton was granted special access to conduct oil business in Iraq during the war, as well as with Libya and Iran, who other companies were barred from doing business with. Huh, that seems a little fishy. Or how about when the Department of Homeland Security offered a no-bid contract for $385 million to Halliburton to construct detention centers and military camps all throughout Iraq and the Middle East? That seem a little odd to you? That the VP of the United States of America would allow a no-bid contract for a third of a billion dollars to his former employer on the taxpayer's dime? Huh. I can't imagine anyone having a problem with that. I mean, how can you call yourself a conservative? How can you look in the mirror and call yourself a limited government advocate and not be disgusted by this? Oh, but because he calls himself a Republican and passes tax cuts, it's all good? You are pathetic.
And I'll tell you what, the Iraq war was a huge reason that Donald Trump got the Republican nominee, by the way. I know you liberals out there think that anyone who voted for him was just a backwoods racist redneck who can't read anything but their sister's lower back tattoo. But remember, he went down to South Carolina at the Republican debate. South Carolina, Lindsey Graham territory, who has never seen a war he didn't approve. And he looked Jeb Bush in the face in front of a deep red crowd. And he said, your brother sent these people's sons to die in a war that was built on a lie. People were floored. They said he just cost himself the election. Well, we saw how that played out, and he was right. And listen, I get it. I don't want America to be the police of the world, okay? But I do see the argument that if there's evil out there, that we need to stop it from happening if we can. And one of the saddest quotes of all time was by a Holocaust survivor who said that for the life of him, he could never understand why America didn't at least bomb the train tracks to Auschwitz. But listen, there's evil all over the world. North Korea's killing people. China has concentration camps for Uyghur Muslims. Saudi Arabia is committing a full-blown genocide in Yemen with millions of dollars of U.S. aid, which I'll cover in my next episode describing how Barack Obama is at least, it is at the very best, complicit in war crimes. Okay, so if we're saying that we need to rid the world of evil, then fine. But let's not pretend that that's all we're doing and that millions of innocent people will not be displaced, have their lives destroyed, or be killed in the line of fire. Okay, and then, but however, on the other side of the coin, the nature of war is changing rapidly, right? Throughout all of human history, up until recently, war involves old men, generally of the spoiled and physically underwhelming variety, disagreeing over land, resources, influence, what have you, and sending younger men, 19, 18 years old, in their place to get blown up and massacred to settle a dispute with which the younger men had nothing to do with. Right, But now, it's a little different. This is a really interesting time in human history because it's the first time ever that if done appropriately, we can go directly at the head of the snake with drone strikes and precision rockets or with like little uh, teams of SEALs or Rangers or whatever. Uh, like with General Qasem Soleimani, mass-murdering leader of the Iranian Quds Force, and al-Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS, who we took out last year, you know, that's unheard of throughout all of human history, that we could forego the sacrificing of tens of thousands of young men in order to take out the leader. All right, that's why you'll hear people say that we need to be fighting our wars from Tampa, because that's where a lot of these missions are controlled from. So I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of okay with that. You know, I, I so identify with the left's notion that we shouldn't be the police of the world, but if there's real evil, genocide, ethnic cleansing, concentration camps, then, I mean, don't we have a moral obligation to act? I say yes, but not at the expense of innocent lives and not if you have to lie to the public to get approval. So that's all I got for this one. Next episode, I will cover Barack Obama, the drone program that had a 90% civilian death rate, how we managed to go from fighting in two countries to fighting in seven, and how we are funding a full-blown genocide in Yemen at the behest of our ostensible ally, Saudi Arabia. So stay tuned and I will see you next time on Necessary Evil, where people are sovereign, where all government measure is enforced by the point of gun, and where state power is in direct conflict with individual liberty. Thanks a lot.